It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe if you are not already at the six or ten dollar month a month tier uh, by going to www.theagship.com. If you'd like a preview of what that coverage looks like, there is a free cover story on the most recent men's basketball game. That is up on the website now. It's the top story. You can go and read it, see if you like it, and there are plenty of options within that story to click and subscribe. Uh, If you are already subscribed, of course, as always, thank you for your support. Um, Lots of stuff. Lots of good content on there. Go on over to www.theagship.com. We've got another news episode here. Lots of news. (laughs) A lot of news even just in the last 48 hours. Uh, and to help me sift through all of this, I am joined, as always, by co-host Parker Valentine. Parker, how's it going? Hey, Patrick, how's it going, man? Um, yeah, it's we got a ton of stuff going on. If we uh, if we thought last uh, the last episode was news heavy, uh-huh. um, this one is going to rival that for sure. Just a ton of stuff going on. Um, the portal's in full swing, and then um, the Utah State administrative team, uh, Diana Sabo and Jerry Bovey just uh, decided that this week they were going to go off and yeah. uh, go just absolutely goblin mode. Uh, <laughs> and they got a lot of stuff done, or yeah. at least announced a, a lot of stuff that's I'm sure been in the works for a long time. But a uh, very cool week, very big week uh, news wise. And um, yeah, football season's not even over. We still have one more game that we're starting to gear up for, and uh, basketball's in full swing. So it's a uh, it's a busy time. Yeah, it's it's a lot still going on. Yeah, gear up for is a strong word. I'm, I'll, 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 I've begun to think about there, that there's a football game. I don't know that I'm gearing yeah. up for it quite <laughs> yeah, yet, but I'm true. aware my my yeah. football game awareness has has certainly increased, um, right? From zero to maybe one <laughs> yeah, <laughs> out of ten. I'm aware of it. One. I know it's there. I yeah. will eventually dive into it. Um, but yeah, they they uh, they went nuts. The the news in the last couple of days, specifically, there has been. A lot of it. There's been a lot of big news, um, football and basketball, some from Utah State, some from the Mountain West. There are also, of course, plenty of uh, transfer portal additions, a couple departures, some returners, uh, stuff on that front for football. And then we've got a couple basketball games to talk about as well. So let's dive right in here, starting with some big football scheduling news. Uh, the first bit that came out yesterday morning, um, and and I was very glad I woke up, and I, I did so at the exact moment that the email hit my inbox uh, announcing this. I, it's just it was kind of a rude awakening, but I was glad that uh, I was glad that I caught it when I did. Um, it was a pretty big, pretty big development here. Uh, the Battle of the Brothers is back. For the first time since 2015, Utah State and Utah will meet on the football field. For the first time since 2012, they'll be doing so in Logan. Uh, this upcoming football season, 2024, I think it's September 14th is the date for that. Uh, and then there are two games scheduled in Salt Lake City at Utah for 2026 and 2031 uh, as well. But the the series, after a a pretty lengthy break, will be uh, will be back on the field nine years removed from its last matchup. Um, and uh, it, it with uh, with that, Utah State also completes its 2024 football schedule. We'll talk about that in a minute, but this announcement specifically probably merits its own quick discussion. Um, yeah, yeah pretty, absolutely. Pretty big deal here. This, this is uh, this is a pretty, oh, yeah. this is a pretty big one. 
yeah, this is a huge deal. This is absolutely, um, this was awesome. I mean, when I, when I saw this, this news, um, I was just stoked. I mean, there's, there's so much that goes into this and there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. And, um, you know, it, we could do a whole podcast on the battle of the brothers and we will do that twice next year as we yeah. gear up, you know, as we, as we preview that game. And then, uh, and then as we get, get done with that game, we, we will have plenty of time. And even that is not enough time to talk about this rivalry. This rivalry is, um, it's awesome. This is uh this is a huge rivalry as a Utah state fan. Um, and I think I, I, I don't, you know, I don't speak for, for all the other fans, but I think there's uh there's a lot of people that would agree with me. Um, this is probably the most important and the, uh, the most meaningful non-conference game that we could possibly get um, to be able to have this game on the schedule three times in the next eight years. Um, I, I would rather, I would play Utah three times in eight years over just about anybody else every year, year in, year out. This is huge. Um, this is one of the most played and one of the oldest rivalries in college football. Um, certainly the oldest college football rivalry here in the state. Um, it is an absolute tragedy what has become of this rivalry uh, in, in recent years with it just not being played. I think there's a lot of people, um, particularly, you know, the younger crowd that, that weren't around um, when this rivalry was, was, you know, being played frequently. They just don't understand that this rivalry is, uh, is so big and this is really, really fun. Um, this, this game belongs on a football field, man. There's, there's no other way to put it. And I'm, I'm stoked that we get it. Uh, and not only that, but we get a game in Logan. I think there was uh, there was a lot of negotiating that had to go into that, and I think uh, Utah was in a place of need. They were they had a they had a tough spot. Um, if you would have asked me a year ago if I thought Utah was coming back to Logan within ten years, I would have said no. Let alone in twenty twenty four. This is huge. Yeah, and uh, it should also be played on the basketball court here at some point. But uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's, well, a, that's yeah, a story for another day. Another, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, should also Don't get me started. Yeah, should yeah. also be on the basketball court. But what are you going to do? Um, take right. take your wins where you can get them. Yeah, it's um, it, it really is. I mean, it's a shame that it's not an annual game. Uh, you know, that it's that it, yeah. it has that level of of history, that level of just kind of reverence, and 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 it, it is deserving of that. Um, this is not an annual, uh, you know, arrangement, but it's a step in the right direction. It is, uh, it is an end to the, you know, the, the kind of cold war that's been happening between these two, these two programs for the last nearly decade. Um, and that's good. That's good news. Uh, you know, and to, like you said, to get the game in Logan in, in, and to get it as soon as they're getting it, to get it next season is huge. Uh, That's, that's going to be we're projecting so far in advance, but I would imagine that's going to be a really good and really fun matchup. Um, right. Given just the current state of these two rosters and, and just what it looks like. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a game that means, you know, it, it means a lot. It means more than really what I think I can express in, in an audio form. I'm certainly going to do some dives into the old newspaper archives and, and put some, put some history stories together on this before that game is played next year. Um, yeah. Cause there is a lot of history. There's a lot of history. I, I remember falling down the rabbit hole sometime, yeah. I think earlier in the football season about just the, uh, the, that it, that it used to be, you know, it was, it was a Thanksgiving thing. It was, it was right. always yep. around that time. And, and there were a lot of really good games when that was the case and, you know, shifted off of that and then eventually shifted away entirely. 
Um, but to have it back even in a in a you know a, a limited form, not super limited. It's three games in in eight years, like you said. Um, but to have it back at all is good. It's progress. It's step. In, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I, I know that. Yeah, I've already seen, and I'm sure that I will continue to see uh, the the kind of g- general. I don't know that outrage would be the right word because I don't think it's outrage, but the the pushback against this being a two for one, right? Where it's you know two yeah. it's, it's two games at Utah and and one at Utah State. I, I will the the my first reaction is let's enjoy it a little bit before we yeah yep, <laughs> before same. we start talking logistics um it it took some doing to get it on the schedule in the first place and to have it on the schedule is a win um secondly 2031 is so far away it's so far away right that's yeah that's basically a home and home and then yeah forget about it for five years come on yeah what was the 12 seasons ago uh, if you were scheduling a game this far in advance, it was the twenty. It was the end of the twenty eleven season. Um, oh my gosh! Which I believe yeah. was the final year of the origin of the Big Twelve that had like Nebraska and Colorado. It might have been the first year after those two departed. Yeah, it was um, right around. <laughs> it yeah. was right around. Yeah. Then, oh around Texas A and M's jump to the SEC. I think twenty eleven might have been the first season of those teams in their new leagues. Um, yeah, that and, sounds right. And of you know, I I think Utah joined the Pac-12 not long after. They might have done it that year as well. Um, yeah, we were in the whack though. Yeah, at Utah. That point. Yeah, Utah State was in the whack. Utah State had yet to join the Mountain West. I think that came the following season or maybe the season after yeah. that. From yeah. the from the, off the top of my head, um, and you just think about the sheer number of of things that have changed in, in the sport since then, and in, in, in college athletics since then. Um, that is that's the time frame that we're that we're oh, I, guess, right. I guess we're talking about eight years so eight years would be 2050 it's still pretty different <laughs> it's still, yeah it's still, still it's still pretty different eight years um yeah 12 i guess i got the i got the numbers flipped but it, regardless eight years ago still pretty different 25 into the into the 2015 season was the second year of the playoff um conferences looked very different then than they do now uh, the sport looked very different then than it does now, and I would guess eight years from now it's going to look pretty different again. And I have n- oh, yeah. no idea oh, yeah. what that will entail. I have no idea what that will look like. Um, and to be worrying about it <laughs> in 2023 is, I think, honestly, just kind of a waste of time. I it doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter yet. It's not real yet. It doesn't. It's just yeah. it's there yeah. to get the deal done. Agreed. And we'll cross that bridge if we get to it, and we might cross a completely different bridge by then. We might be in a different yeah, hemisphere knows? crossing a bridge in 2031. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. There's no possible yeah. way to know what the sport is going to look like eight years from now. Um, and so I would say don't worry about it. There's a game coming in Logan, and then there's going to be one in 2026 in Salt Lake City. That's good. <laughs> that's good. That's, yeah. good, that's uh, and- good news. Yeah, it's there's really no way to really be be outraged about this this deal. This was such for Utah State especially. There's just no way this is bad news, you know. Um, and like you said, the, back in the day, it was a Thanksgiving thing. And if I'm not mistaken, it was always played in Salt Lake on Thanksgiving Day. Like that was uh, that's what the Battle of the Brothers was. Like this is not um, you, we, we can as Utah State fans, we can kind of uh, trick ourselves into rewriting history and think that this was a super competitive rivalry. Uh, there were times there were stretches where it was um, this has always been it's it's the battle of the brothers and there's a big brother and there's a little brother 
Um, we, we are the younger school. We are the smaller school. We're the school that's not in the capital. We are not even on I-15. We are tucked in the mountains way an hour north um, from Big Brother, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm okay being a little brother as long as we're still brothers. Yeah. Um, but we have to just understand this is what it is. And I would take a two-for-one any day of the week. Um, if, if this is what it took to get this game on the schedule in perpetuity, I would go two and one, all, you know, without question. Um, and so I, I really don't have any complaints. I think um, it might just be like a knee jerk reaction. I think there's a lot of people that remember that. Yeah, we're we're one and one in our last two matchups with these guys. But, you know, we are not on equal footing. We do not get to demand the home and home. I can understand. Um, I, can, I get it. I understand. But there's nothing to be frustrated about here. Um, yeah. it's, it's just good news. And this does so much for Utah state. It does, it does so much. There's, there's no reason to be complaining. And like you said, it's, it's a long way away. Just forget about it. Yeah. It's, it's basically, if you look at it like a home and home and then a, a buy game in a few years, if, if that helps you, yeah. you know, yeah. if that helps you sleep at night, look at it however you want. But at the end of the day, the battle of the brothers is back. I mean, this is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, the, 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 the footing thing is fair because like it is, it does bear, mentioning that the various times that Utah State and Utah have shared a conference, which has happened several times, um, the thing that always breaks that conference apart, that breaks that pairing apart, is uh, Utah. It's always Utah. (laughs) It is exclusively Utah Utah jumping up to something else that it has either created, which is what killed the Skyline Conference, or that it is then joining. Um, BYU has gotten its hand on that ball a couple times as well. But, like, that's that's the nature of the thing. It just, it just is. And like you yeah. said, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an age thing. It is a location thing. It's, it's all of it. And yeah. that is, and that's the nature of the thing. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't play. They should play every year. And, and it doesn't and mean that you can't enjoy it that much more. It feels that much. I would imagine it feels that much better for a little brother to uh, win, which Utah State, like you said, has done recently, is not unheard right. of for yeah. Utah State to do that, and it uh, feels pretty good when you do that, and it adds a dynamic to the game where I, I think it's really fun. I think that's a really fun kind of game to have. I think that that opportunity yeah. is really, really good for Utah State, and there is a there's a level of of um, you know uh, uh, of appreciation and of of respect for the game on both sides. Which is good. Uh, I, I I have seen almost exclusively from fans of of you know either side of the game just uh, excitement about it being back, uh, excitement about uh, playing yeah, it again. Totally, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, and and by the way, this is not unprecedented. The uh, the two and one, the the playing in Salt Lake more. I just I just pulled it up right here. Um, we have played these guys 112 times, which is something I want to I talk about again in a second. Um, of those times, if I'm reading this right. Uh, according to utahstateaggies.com, we have played at home 37 times. Yeah. So, you know what? A 2 and 1 is just fine by me. We're 11 and 26 in those games by the way. Um but yeah, if we yeah, this is this is fine. Um I so yeah, like I said, we've played 112 times. Um I have a quick game, Patrick, that we're going to play. Okay. I did not – I didn't warn you this, this. So the listeners, he's he's coming into this blind. Okay. I have here a list of a few big-time college football rivalries, and I want you to tell me whether they've been played more or less than the Battle of the Brothers, all right? Okay. Um, Duke, North Carolina, Tobacco Road. Mm. 
Hmm. Okay, we got... I'm going to say less. Okay, you are correct. Okay. They have played 110 matchups. All right. Their rivalry is older. Their first game was in 1888, which is when Utah State was founded. Yeah. We didn't play the first Battle of the Brothers until 1892. Yeah. Um, but correct, they have played fewer times. Duke, North Carolina, one of the most, you know, one of the biggest college football rivalries. It's bigger on the hardwood, yeah. granted, but they have played less than Utah, Utah State. Yeah. Um, Red River. Texas, Oklahoma. Oh, man. Um, the history of those schools is 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 always kind of difficult for me. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with... Mm, I'm going to go with less again. They have played more. Okay. They have played 118 <clears throat> times, so they only four more times, <clears throat> but... Our rivalry is older. Their mm. first game was in 1900. Okay, that's that's so fair, our, they, they, the Power of Brothers is older than the Red River Red River rivalry. Yeah, that, okay, because they they pl- I mean they've played basically every year since it started. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. yeah they play pretty often. Yeah. Um, here's a fun one: the Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. Mm. <laughs> I'm afraid to go less again because I'm just gonna say less for everyone. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'll I'll say I'll say more, but I don't feel good about it. Well, yeah, you shouldn't feel good about okay. it. We played more often than Alabama Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, this might and this surprised me. Eighty-eight matchups between the two teams since yeah. eighteen ninety-three, which yeah. makes our our rivalry older and more played than mm-hmm. the Iron Bowl. Huh. Yeah. That okay. Yeah. The 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 history of the of the SEC and and precursors to the SEC is a little bit funky so that, that definitely spotty yeah yeah um here's a couple uh yeah here, here's a couple uh, we'll, we'll do uh we'll do a couple more and then i'll just throw some some numbers at you yeah um the apple cup between washington washington state oh man um i'll say oh <laughs> i don't oh man <laughs> it's tough man yeah and, and again is this tough. is something that i i don't think many listeners would get this right because utah and utah state they're their recent history is just so yeah, sparse. It's not there. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with less. Okay, they've played more. They played okay. 115. It's our 112, but it's much younger. They played uh, their first game in 1900. Okay. Um. So yeah, that I mean, that's how this that's when we talk about the history of this game. When I talk about how much this means, I mean, we are up there with some of the biggest rivalries in college football. USC Notre Dame, they've played 94 times. Yeah. Uh, their first was in 1926. That one's a little bit of a new school uh, rivalry. Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, here, I'll let you guess that one, actually. You, you should know this one. I believe that one is more. That one is more. It is younger by five years, though. Yeah. They've played 119 times. Uh, their first was in 1897. Yeah. So older, older than Michigan, Ohio State. But, of course, we, we've played a few you know, fewer times. Um, and then the bonus round would be BYU and Utah and Utah state and BYU. Both of those rivalries are younger and have yeah. been played much less yeah. than much, you know, much less often than Utah and Utah state. Um, and that just goes to show, I mean, that what this rivalry does mean and, and really what the potential is, what it has meant at times and what it could mean to, to people. Um, and I think even in this next eight-year stretch, um, it's not annual. It's not home and home. It's not even every other year. And, you know, it's three games in eight years. 
Um, and even then, I think this rivalry will very, very quickly return to um, just as fun as it has been at its peak and how meaningful it has been at its peak. This is this is not a localized rivalry. This is not something that's just fun for the guys in Logan and Salt Lake. This is a big-time, old-school rivalry that has been around since – I mean, like like we talked about, four years, I think, after Utah State became a school, yeah. back when they were the Utah Agricultural College. Uh, it took them four years before we started playing these guys in football. I mean, this thing is, this is a legit football rivalry. Um, it belongs on the football field, man. It is it is awesome. And we should be, you know, we can be annoyed at the, the logistics if we want to be, but that just ruins the fun. This is one of the, this this is what makes college football so awesome. Yeah, and we should enjoy it. This is—I I can't explain really how stoked I was to to get this back on the schedule. This was awesome. Yeah, that's going to be uh, quite the environment, I would imagine, in 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 Logan. That's going to be a good time. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, there's there's it's it's good. It's good. The news is good. Uh, there is more scheduling news here, as I alluded to. The Mountain West has announced its 2024 schedule. Um, there was a form of the 2024 schedule, I believe, already out, but this one adjusts right. for the agreement with Oregon State and Washington State. Those teams are now on the schedule for the Mountain West opponents. Uh, those are non-conference games, uh, but they do they they do replace a a Mountain West game. So it's going to be a seven yep. game season in the Mountain West, which is. I would say probably too few conference games just in general. I agree with that. Um, but given the circumstances, I understand it, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I would, I, I'm, I'm, you know, a long time proponent of nine. I like conference games. I like conference races in general. And, and so I, I like, I like the nine game schedules, eight I can live with seven temporarily is what it is. Um, I, it's that's going to make for a kind of kind of a weird <laughs> conference season i think yeah. you're only playing yeah. seven of the seven of the teams in the in the conference um but utah state has its marching orders the full schedule here is uh robert morris versus robert morris on august 31st at usc on september 7th uh versus utah on september 20 or on september 14th at temple on the 21st and then there are seven Mountain West games and one uh, agreement game. The Mountain West games are at Boise State, at Colorado State, versus Hawaii, versus New Mexico, versus San Diego State, versus UNLV, at Washington State, and then at Wyoming. So at Washington State is added to the schedule. Um, at Nevada is removed entirely. And what was formerly at UNLV is now a home game against UNLV. Um excited about the opportunity to go see a game in Pullman. That that was my first that was my first reaction to this is that I would like to go and watch a game at Washington State. I think that's going to be fun. I'm excited about the chance to do that. I've never been there. Um I will definitely be making that trip. Uh I think that will be cool. This is a difficult schedule for Utah State is my second thought. This is yeah. a difficult schedule. Yeah. This is a good yeah. it's a good schedule. This is a schedule with a lot of big important games it is not going to be easy and that doesn't mean that utah yeah. state can't have success i think utah state probably will have success but you've got at usc utah at home at washington state at boise state 
um, at Wyoming, like those are tough games. Those are tough games. Yeah. That are almost all on the road. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be a tough season. This is a, this is a man's schedule right here. This yeah. is a, uh, this is a very tough schedule. Your non-conference games being, um, you know, Robert Morris at home is, is, is fine. And then at USC and then Utah at home at Temple and then playing another one late in the season at Washington State. That's a yeah. very tough non-conference schedule. Um, your road schedule is very tough, again, at, at USC. Uh, and then to close out the season at Washington State, at Wyoming, Yeah, very, very tough. Um, it's an awesome schedule. I mean, there's not a week that you're not tuned in to watch this team. This is going to be a very, very fun schedule. My only, my only complaint is that that UNLV away game is actually a pretty good away game because it's, um, it is a travel, you know, it's travelable yeah. for fans. Um, and so if that was, if that was like at home, or if that was away, and then you get Wyoming at home or something, it would have been probably the perfect schedule that like yeah. I would have drawn up as as a fan and as a consumer of Utah State football. Um, but I mean, other than that, like there's there's not a lot of complaints. You got. Uh, three power five conference or, you know, three power schools. If you are including Washington state, right. Um, just it's a solid schedule. It's really, really good. The, the conference did a great job of being able to, to add Washington state and Oregon state to all these, uh, these schedules pretty last minute. And they did it without messing up anything else. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, tough schedule. The, the only thing going for your, like looking at this is like if Hawaii was on the road, that's tough. Um, bringing Hawaii into Logan is is favorable, but that's like the only thing without changing the teams. Um, that's the only thing that you could make do to make this schedule any tougher is like going to yeah. Hawaii. Yeah, that's tough. This is a tough schedule. Yeah, I I, I would have I, I the point about UNLV and Wyoming is is fair. I probably I I would have preferred not for the sake of like winnable games, but just for where these games were last played when these two teams last met. I think you could probably swap UNLV and Wyoming fairly easily. Obviously, there's a lot of I, I thought scheduling they were. Yeah, I that, thought they were switched. Yeah, but... I, there's a lot of scheduling stuff that that would then impact, and you have to change the whole thing. You can't just plug one game in and one yeah. game out because it <laughs> yeah. changes everybody else's schedule too because yeah. those teams also need to have the you know appropriate number of home games um, unless they play each other, and then you know if needed, you can just – I don't know where that would be, but uh, maybe you can just get lucky and flip that one. But um, – the like because the last time that these teams met Utah State didn't play either of UNLV or Wyoming in in 2023 um they hosted UNLV and went to Wyoming in 2022 and to have yeah. that set up again yeah. is just a little like i would be it would be nice to 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 flip those um not oh, totally not that be, yeah. not that it's not you know fun to go watch a game in Laramie it is um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it would it's be it's also fun to go to Allegiant yeah, it, it would be it it would be nice to get a little bit more variation there that that, that right. you have back to back home home you against UNLV and, and away away against Wyoming. Uh, I would imagine Utah State would probably prefer that as well, but it, it is what it right. is. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Tough, um, the tough other schedule. note, uh, the other note I have is no Air Force. Yeah, no Air um, Force. Not home, not away, no Air Force at all. Um, that is generally, I think, good news for for Utah State. They are. Uh, um, we, we talked about them at length. I think they're just uh, one of those teams that will haunt you until you play them. Yeah. And if you let them, they'll haunt you after because you're just, they're always in the back of your mind. You're always preparing for the triple option. You know, it's coming, you know, it's coming, you know, it's coming. 
and then you play them and there's a good chance you're just banged up for weeks after. So um, generally good news that you're not playing Air Force, but again, you're, you're non your, your conference slate is still very tough. You're playing at Boise State. Um, you know, that's that's the big one. And then at Wyoming late, late in the year when Laramie is just a frozen wind tunnel. So there's there's still tough games in the conference, but not getting Air Force, I think, was a good draw. Yeah, the the ones they dodged, I think they did fairly well. They dodge Air Force, they dodge uh, San Jose State and Fresno State. I don't know if there's a fourth yeah. one. I think that I think that's all of them, um, and Oregon State obviously, but that doesn't really count quite the yeah, same way. Kind um, of, kind, yeah. We don't know what to call. Is them. there a They're... fourth one? Who am I forgetting? Because um, um, got... well, there should be. Because yeah, um, do you play Nevada? Oh that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, Nevada also removed from the uh, from the schedule. So uh, that's a bummer. I like yeah. playing Nevada. Yeah, three, <laughs> they're fun to play. Though. Three out of four is not bad. <laughs> three, three, yeah. three out of four. Where's, you could, where's you could Fresno? Do worse. Do we no Fresno. Um, no Fresno. Okay, yeah, no Fresno. San... That's probably a good draw too. Yeah, um, yeah. They're uh, tough. They're a good team. Yeah, you get uh, four very winnable conference home games with Hawaii, New Mexico, San Diego State, and UNLV. We don't know what those teams are going to look like, but those are winnable games. Um, yep. and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it, it should be fun. It should be a, a fun, <clears throat> fun season for Utah state. We look forward to that. Um, yep. moving... I'm already excited for next season and this one's not yeah. even over. Yeah. Allegedly this season isn't even over yet. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I keep being told that we have another game, but yeah. it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Well, I'm looking around. Cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> it seems like a lot of, seems like a lot of teams have decided that they don't have another game that they're just ready to kind of <laughs> call it quits. Yeah. Um, including perhaps Utah state's opponent in that game, but we'll, uh, again, we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about that in a little bit. Yeah. That's, um, that's next week. That's another time. Yeah. The, uh, the latest, the, the, also in the news this week, week dropping the day before all of this uh, scheduling stuff would have been easily the the you know the thing that leaves the podcast off and and is big news in its own right and extremely well deserved and, and long awaited news um utah state will be putting on the uh, on the floor of the spectrum Stu moral court they will be recognizing the legendary head coach for his achievements in in logan which are uh, many um yeah at a uh, i think it's a february game against boise state which is fitting um and uh yeah he'll be he'll be enshrined on the on the court like i said extremely well deserved um they you know i know this has been in the works this is something that was it felt inevitable maybe isn't the right word but it had to happen right like this this had to yeah. that's it yeah. is it's his court he <laughs> it's 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 his he should have his name on it mm-hmm. um and uh yeah just just really really nice i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like i think it's going to be really cool uh very happy for for Stu. um and, you know i don't think anybody deserves it more uh and uh, I, I know that he you know th- this is something that I'm, I'm sure he would really that he really appreciates and you could kind of pick that up in the in the quotes that they got from him for the release and and you know former players uh former coaches who coached with him everybody just you know the same thing that, that everybody said over and over was well deserved and, and it, it, it yeah. is um just really cool and and great to see him a, a man who i think is is uh, you cannot be you know inseparable from this program and this program's history to see that formalized and, and enshrined on the floor is uh you know necessary and i'm, I'm glad to see it yeah. getting done yep i agree this is uh this is huge this is absolutely the right move um i i like you said they're they're inseparable Stu moral is synonymous with aggie basketball 
um, has been for some time. Um, Stu Morrill is probably without, I mean, no hyperbole. He is the reason I, I grew up a Utah State fan. We were, uh, you know, I would drive up with my family from the Wasatch Front through Sardine Canyon a couple times a week. You know, every we didn't miss many home games unless Sardine Canyon was closed, which yeah. uh, I guess is, is somewhat frequent. But um, we were, you know, that my earliest memories of, of being on campus and being, you know, really just the earliest memories that I, I have of childhood are, are pretty uh, um, pretty involved with Stu Morrill and his basketball teams that he's had. Um, and I'm not I'm not alone in that. There are, there are a lot of people uh, like me that, that grew up uh, watching Stu Morrill coach basketball. Uh, this is very, very, very well deserved. Uh, absolutely the right move. It, it, like you said, it is. It is his court. It's not. Um, it's not that they're naming uh, a basketball court after him. It's just that they're finally putting his name on his his court. There's there's no way yeah. around it. Yeah. Um, that quite quite literally is just. Um, yeah. He did it's it. his program, and yeah. it still is. You know. Yeah. He he did it, he did it already. They just this is yeah. this is formalizing. <laughs> he already put his name there. It's just this is a matter of making it official um yeah yeah really cool uh and uh, always you know it's uh i I really liked seeing him at the game against nevada last year when they recognized a conference championship team i would guess that they have another one to recognize this year uh for for a 15 year anniversary uh they they broke off a couple in a row there and they're going to be bringing bringing those guys back to recognize several conference championship teams here in the next couple years and um, just good to good to see him involved. Good to see former players involved in the program. Obviously, there are there are you know some who are <laughs> calling games in, in in Spencer Nelson and uh, yeah, yeah. and um, the, his name escapes me. I, I I've, I've watched him call games like four times this season. Uh, Wilkinson, Gary Wilkinson, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. The, and they uh, those two both do a great job. And just always always good. Always like to see guys back around the program. J.C. Carroll was around last year a lot. And I'm sure we'll be again this year. Um, I would I would imagine there will be a lot of familiar faces in the building for that game. Um, probably a lot of people just in general in the building for that game. And, <laughs> I would I would and hope it so. Is, yeah. uh, it is it is fully earned. Just just great to great to see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Stu Moral Court. I mean, of course, adding that to the you know the return of the Battle of the Brothers was a very uh, validating week made made for yeah. a very validating week for us old timers and us um, <laughs> us fans that have been around for a while. That's couldn't couldn't imagine a better week. Uh, and of course, the the court just a well deserved accolade and in a long and a long list of Stu Moral accolades. Yeah. All right. Let's talk portal news here. We've got a little bit of uh, returning news. We got some departures. We got some additions. We're going to talk through all of it. Uh, of the returners, there are, I believe, just the two who have who have formally announced their return. Again, as we said on the last show, more guys are coming back than just the guys who have announced. These are just yeah, you know, the, yeah. the players who decided to do so. Like I would imagine, Bo Miley probably not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And just just in general, there will be there are more returners than have been announced uh but that's the nature of the thing uh but yeah. formally back uh cooper Lega is the big one here pukesi vakata the defensive tackle also returning i was kind of surprised by that one he didn't play a ton this season i know he's been dealing with injury stuff but he will be back that's good uh when he's at his best he's a really good player uh yeah. and then you know cooper is obviously the the headliner here this does not come as a huge surprise given the the offseason that utah state has had um, he has been involved in that process. He has been involved in the the 
you know, rallying the troops to get so many players to come back. Uh, he really, he really kind of made the team his in the last month of the season, the last two months, even of the season and, and, you know, returning to the starting lineup, uh, and playing as well as he did. And, you know, kind of lifting Utah State to the position it's in now, 6-6, six and six, and heading to a bowl game. Uh, and uh, this is, you know, really good news for, for Utah State. I would not have expected this yeah. back oh, yeah. in, in September when, you know, when he left the game at Air Force and, and lost the starting job. Yeah. But he, you know, he, he proved himself at, at every <clears throat> at every turn since then, and I, you know, I, I think it's it's a big deal for Utah State to bring him back. He's a really good player. He's a really good quarterback. He's a very good leader of the team, and he will play out his last season of college football in Logan. Yeah, this is huge, huge news. Um, like you said, maybe not the most surprising, knowing that he was kind of uh, behind some of this stuff with with some of the other players doing doing a little bit of quote unquote recruiting. Um, trying to get guys to yeah. to stick around uh you know give it one more shot bring back a really strong core for uh, a good run next year um but it would have been surprising like you said in september or even just a few weeks ago this was uh this was a topic of discussion on this very podcast of basically saying look you know what Blake's going to have to sit down with this guy and and tell him to kindly move on because it's not his team anymore I don't know what next year looks like. I don't know. I haven't heard anything from McKay. I, at this point, don't know what to expect there or anywhere else. Um, we've brought in a quarterback, but not not a starting quarterback. We brought in uh, uh, the kid from Iowa. Um, what was his name? Petrus. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, so I, I don't know what to expect of that room entirely, but uh, this, this was – I can understand that there are probably a lot of people that are confused. Um, if you're, you know, if you are a casual fan and you're thinking, why is this sixth year uh, or this fifth year um, senior coming back after he lost his starting job? Well, that that's uh, certainly a valid question, but I, and again, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what next year is going to look like. I'm not even going to pretend to speculate, but at any rate, this is huge news. This is very, very big. I like Cooper a lot. I think he's a very, very good quarterback, especially the the high end Cooper that we've seen uh, at times this year and in and, and last. But um, it, I wasn't expecting it all year. I, I was, uh, I was a little bit surprised um, to see that this was starting to unfold this way, and I'm, I'm very, very happy. Yeah, yeah, great news for Utah State. I am very excited to see just what the offense looks like next year. Right. Um, yeah. And then Vakata as well. Good, good returner. They are they are yep. very much uh, beefing up the defense, beefing up the defensive line, and he can he can help with yeah. that. Uh, he's a veteran player who has been within the system, been within the program. Uh, good guy to have around. Good player to to keep around for another season. Uh, of the departures, uh, there are five. Most of them, four of the five, come from guys who really didn't see the field a whole lot this season and probably would not have seen the field a whole lot even next season. Uh, defensive yeah. tackles, uh, Vaughn Mamea, who I, I don't know if he's even been with the team much this season. I, I, I think he might have... I think he might have been ready to enter the portal back like as the season was kicking off. I don't know that he was around all that much. I might just be remembering wrong. But um, yeah, Von Mamiya, uh, Adam Tomczyk, who, younger player, uh, kind of a tweener defensive end, defensive tackle, never really found a spot on the team. I think he'll do well probably at a lower level. Um, Reggie Foster, who's a freshman running back, just 
kind of caught in a in a in a loaded room and Cooper Jones yeah. uh <laughs> senior running back another guy just kind of caught in a loaded room he was a really good punt returner for Utah State last season but lost that job this year I think he'll do really well uh, as well probably at a at a you know a lower level I think Cooper Jones would be a like a big sky like an all big sky level running back for somebody because he's he's a good player he just there was not there wasn't space for him in the rotation um and uh yeah, so th- yeah. those those four I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it's it's I think those are all situations where <clears throat> Utah State will be happy to help those guys find new homes that maybe fit what they're looking for a little bit better um yeah I think and, so uh, yeah. you know just just uh not not necessarily and and you know a, a nasty uh breakup or anything like that that's not to say that Devin Dye's departure is nasty um <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that part specifically because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, there have been, there have been some posts that, that, you know, from, from other current players that make me wonder a little bit. Uh, but Devin die starting safety. I thought he played really well this year. I thought he was really good for Utah state. He has entered the portal. This is a positional thing. Um, this is a positional thing. He wants to play right. free safety. And that spot is uh, taken there. It's not, and it's not going to change. They're not going <laughs> to, no. Utah state is not going to move Ike Larson to strong safety for the sake of Devin die. That's just the no. way it is. They're not no. going to do that. Um, and Devin die wants to play free safety, wants to go out of the box a little bit more, play deeper a little bit more. Um, and I think we'll probably find a, a good home to do that. He's a good player. Uh, he has some big yeah. time offers yeah, already. So. Uh, Utah missed on missed on target number one, going for safety number two, uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. uh, hopeful to they're they're hopeful to to seal that one up. But he has P five offers, uh, has P five interest. Yep. I'm sure he'll do well for himself. I think Utah State will be fine. And, and if uh, you know worst the, the if the worst thing that happens from a transfer is that Anthony Switzer gets to move back into his natural position. It's fine. You'll live with it. Yeah, yeah. This this is one of those that might be a blessing in disguise. Uh, as you mentioned, Devin Dye fielding offers from a, a, a number of teams. Um, just according to his Twitter, which I, I was just double checking, that there wasn't a last minute um, an announcement from him. Um, but I, since I have it pulled up, um, he's he's received offers from Western Kentucky, Tulane, uh, the University of Utah, as you said, Kansas and Kansas State. Yeah. Um, so kind of a, kind of a good mix of, of really solid programs. I mean, the only two non-power conferences are Tulane and Western Kentucky, which are uh, pretty solid, fun programs yeah. for sure. Um, he's going to land on his feet. He's a good player, but like you said, it's just a positional thing. Um, there's just not room for him. And if at the end of the day, this allows Anthony Switzer to move back into his natural position and enable him to play at his best, then uh, this might be for the best of. Uh, you know, in the best interest of all parties involved, to be uh, totally frank. And that's not to, to yeah. uh, downplay what Devin Dye is. He's a phenomenal football player, I thought, and he's uh, had very, very high ceiling. But at the end of the day, if this is if this is what the transfer portal is costing you, man, we're, uh, we're sitting in a pretty good position right now. It's early, as we've said. We still have a game to play, allegedly, yeah. but it's early. But, man, it, it's hard not to feel good about what we've done so far in the portal. Yeah, yeah, you'll live with it if this is the yeah, if this is yeah. the biggest departure. And to this point, it is uh, for for Utah State. There's depth at safety. Obviously, Switzer, Javar Strong barely played this season. He's you know he's a good player. He was somebody who they're really excited about. Um, there are you know guys coming in who who can help to fill that spot. Uh, Jadon Pearson from from Utah obviously comes to mind, but there are JUCO guys who stand out and and could 
step in. Um, Utah State has plenty of plenty of safeties. I I, I think that they yeah. will be. I think they will survive <laughs> with 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 this and. You know, die. I believe has. I, I think he has a brother playing at Kansas, so I think Kansas could be a, an option. Tulane would be a really good pick for him. I think he'd fit John Sumrall's defense really well there as he as he yeah. heads into his first season with the Green Wave. Um, but good options on the board, really uh, in general. Save for Western Kentucky, I probably wouldn't really advise him to go to Western Kentucky given the offense that they run. But um, <laughs> usually, you don't want to play on the on a you know an air raid. Uh, adjacent defense. <laughs> it's so, yeah. well, well, the yeah. offense is going to pass the ball 60 times a game and you are going to be on the field all day. Good luck. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that, but the other ones, I think good options really in, in general. And I would imagine he'll land on his feet. And I think Utah state also probably will land on its feet. Not going to be, I don't think that this is going to be crippling or anything for the defense. They've got guys yeah. and I think they will be fine. They also have now uh, more guys than they did the last time that we, uh, that we spoke <laughs> yeah. on this show. They have picked up, uh, seven, I believe, seven new additions, either from the JUCO ranks or from the transfer portal. Uh, we're going to roll through some of these guys. Not going to go into a ton of detail, but names to know, guys who we will be talking about heading into next season. Uh, George Miley, the offensive guard from Baylor, who we talked about on the last show, brother of Bo. Um, not... Not any real suspense here. This was happening. This was going to happen. This was yep. pretty much his focus when he entered the transfer portal was to go play with his brother, and that's where where it landed. Um, great size, obviously, was a, a P5-level recruit. I think he was a four-star recruit. He was either a high three-star or a four-star recruit coming out of high school, um, and he is a, a big-time addition in a position of need, as is uh, Jared Pele, who is a uh, offensive lineman, another offensive lineman, I think an interior guy from Navarro Community College, uh, played well there. Seems like a, a, a nice big body to work with and, and see what you have there. Uh, also, on the defensive side, they have five pickups. EJ Fisk Jr., defensive back from East Central Community College. Will Schaffer, linebacker from Arizona State. Braden Bailey, defensive tackle from Golden West College, third pickup of the cycle from Golden West. Uh, C.J. Naismith from Fullerton College is defensive end. And uh, Ricky Lolohea, defensive tackle from Oklahoma State, also has a brother in the transfer portal, well, in the JUCO portal, uh, out at Tyler JUCO, um, who has a Utah State offer and took a, took a visit and might be interested, especially with the opportunity to play with his brother. Keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Um, I, it's, they're, they're filling needs. They're, they're picking up guys in the places where we wanted to see them pick up guys. They're getting a lot of linemen in five linemen on that board of seven guys who I just rattled off. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, you, you get, you get another nice defensive back in Fisk, potentially a slot corner and Schaffer who really, if you were looking in the portal for just like, I want MJ Tafisi again. I would like a second MJ Tafisi, please. <laughs> yeah. Schaffer is probably the guy who best fits that billing. He was largely a special teams guy in four seasons at Arizona State, but he does have experience. Um, he's big, six foot two, thirty-five. I think can be kind of that run stuffer in the middle of the in the middle of the defense at the second level. Um, and the the idea is essentially the same as it was with with Tafisi, which is that if we give this guy more playing time, he will probably be good. And I think right. that that's the idea that was sold to him. And that is that's that's a good idea. That that makes sense to me. Yeah. They needed a. It worked with Tafisi. Why yeah. not run it again? Yeah. yeah, I think that that was one of the true needs of the of the off season was finding a guy who could kind of match that <clears throat> that that maybe not that production because Tafisi is an all conference level player, and that's a lot to ask. But to be that runs 
next up or in the middle of the defense. Gavin Barthiel can do some of it, and I think will step up into a bigger role next season as he continues to develop. But Max Alford is definitely more of an outside linebacker, um, and uh, you need that guy. You need that guy in the middle of the defense. I think that Schaffer will be right in the in the thick of it in that competition. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. I think, like I said, um, it's hard not to be optimistic about what we're doing in the portal right now. We're uh, we're keeping a lot of key guys we're, we're losing guys that mostly are um just uh you know not seeing a lot of playing time outside of Devin die which again is, is positional and it's it's um, not to downplay his talent but it's it's a that's a loss we can take and then we're adding a lot of talent so yeah really really stoked again it's it's so so early but it feels really good hard not to be excited about what we could do next year yeah and it is every day becoming less early and becoming that more of it just like well it seems like the other other shoe is there but it doesn't seem to be yeah. moving towards dropping yeah. i don't and, i mean and, they, they, and, they've made it this far that's almost two weeks into the portal now and they've really not yeah suffered all that much for it yeah and again this is at a time when other teams are being ravaged i mean <laughs> these players that we're getting some of them are coming from you know juco's but Others, they're they're coming from somewhere. Uh, a lot of these teams are, or a lot of these players are coming from other teams at the G five or P five level, and um, there's a lot of teams that aren't faring so well. And like you said, the trend, the, the portal's been open for a minute now, um, and and it's starting to feel really, really good. It's starting to starting to come together, and you know we're obviously going to see more. It gets less and less early uh, with each day, but it feels good. I, I'm I'm optimistic for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's talk basketball here. We've got a pair of women's basketball games to talk about as well as yep. the most recent men's game. We don't really need to go into a ton of detail on the exhibition game. or Not the exhibition game, the D2 game against uh, yeah. Northwest Nazarene. It was what it was. <laughs> I don't I don't really have yeah. a ton to say about it. Um, but there is a, uh, a pretty big one since then that went down. Uh, where do you want to go first here? Let's do men's. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So men's basketball... Utah State on Wednesday night goes on the road to Santa Clara and takes an 84-82 to victory. Um, extremely bizarre <laughs> basketball game. I, I wrote about it in that cover story that I alluded to earlier in, in great detail if you are interested um, in, in reading more specifics about the inner workings of the game. Uh, but basically, the the... Uh, the idea that I was hitting on in that story and the idea that I will hit on here as well is that Santa Clara ha- game planned and executed that game plan, I think, pretty much perfectly for upsetting Utah State, for knocking off Utah State. They were playing at yeah. home. Um, they have not lost at home. They had not lost at home in quite some time. Uh, they packed the paint and forced Utah State to go elsewhere, basically, which which all but eliminated the offensive production of Great Osabar, who was 3 of 15 from the field, still had 10 rebounds, but finished with just nine points, uh, had five turnovers as well, was just forcing it. It, it, it. He was he was frustrated with the situation, going against a pair of seven footers on that defense, and just could not yeah. really could not really get it going ever. Um, Isaac Johnson did not have an especially good game, didn't play very much, uh, and then uh, the the two kind of slashing first guards who then build the rest of their offensive attack outside, you know, beyond that, 
uh, Mason Falslev and Josh Aduji just never really got involved offensively. Falslev had a, had a pretty tough game, uh, both offensively and defensively. Only three points on one of three on one of three shooting. His only make was from three, uh, which is not usually the way that he does things. And then Josh, I, I, Josh did earn some more playing time. He played more than twenty minutes with defense and rebounding. He did well in both of those both of those categories, but offensively, never really found the flow of the game. Uh, and in general, Utah State just couldn't <laughs> couldn't hit a lot of shots. Did not fare especially well inside the arc. I think it was, it's like seventeen of forty seven from two. This is one of the best two point shooting teams in the country this season. And from you know overall from the field, Utah State just thirty seven point three percent. Whereas Santa Clara gets big performances from its stars. Adama Ball I thought played really really well. Also got some pretty lucky bounces off of the rim, four or five of them, but the shot goes in, and that's what matters. He had 18 points. Carlos Marshall Jr. had 16. Johnny O'Neill had 15. Uh, they had two guys with 11, Tyree Bryan and Cameron Tongue. Um, they they shot really well. I, I thought, in general, the Santa Clara offense played really well. Utah State really couldn't get a ton of stops down the stretch especially, but just in general. Um Santa Clara won the points in the bank battle 44 to 26, which does not happen to Utah State very often. And basically everything was set up for Utah State to take a loss. I, I think it would have made a lot of sense with the stats of the game for Utah State to take a loss. And it still didn't. Still didn't lose. Didn't matter. All of that work that Santa Clara did, to no avail, um, loses all the same, just like San Diego did, just like every other team that Utah State has played since it played since it played Bradley. Uh, the Aggies are 10-1. and 1. It's the best start for a first-year head coach in program history, uh, and they did it with some of the same stuff that they've been harping on all year. They won the rebounding battle 39-34, to 34, including a ridiculous 17-4 to 4 margin on the offensive glass. Uh, they forced 19 turnovers and turned those into 21 points. And, of course, <clears throat> there were the, the two standouts kind of leading the way on the stat sheet for the Aggies. That would be Ian Martinez with 28 points, four rebounds, uh, three steals, and two assists. And Darius Brown, who uh, continued his his role uh, as, as the unquestioned grandma's favorite point guard uh, <laughs> of, of, of the world. Um, 20, 23 points, four rebounds, seven assists, four steals in just under 35 minutes of action. Um, those two really, especially down the stretch, they're just trading tough baskets. They're just giving Utah State what it needs. Uh, offensively, defensively, they did it throughout the game. But when the game was was at its, you know, its, its, its waning moments and they really just needed somebody to go make a play, it was 10 or 4. It was one of those two, and, and they, they did it every single trip down the floor in the last five minutes specifically. And they won, they went and won the game. They've, they found a way to do it. Yeah. This, uh, this is a Santa Clara team that is, I don't think they're a pushover. I know the net hasn't been too kind to them. They certainly didn't look like a pushover. They looked like a very good team with a very, very good game plan uh, they, here they, against Utah State. Just just um, as a basketball, like a physics thing, they have nine guys in the rotation who are six foot five or taller. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. hard to deal with. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just good roster building. That's just good stuff. Um, uh, yeah, to get this win, I mean this is I love getting wins like this early in the season. We've we've talked about a couple of these, I think, with Utah State so far. Yeah. Um, you know, we were we were on the wrong side of this at Bradley early on, but being able to go into a, a pretty decent environment, a pretty good team, 
um, with with a little bit of history um, and be able and to be able to win uh, when things are not going your way is, is huge. And that's something that um, uh, that's rare in, in sports and in college basketball. I think that's one thing that kind of haunted last year's team is um, you could put up points like crazy when things were going your way. Um, but when the ball's not bouncing your way, when you're having an off night, um, they struggled at, at times. We saw that, I think, last year. We see that with, you know, every, every team. Um, this team is uh, the one that we're looking at now. They can they can win games a lot of different ways. You can take great Osibor out of a game entirely, um, and you can still go and get a two-point win. Uh, you know, you can still find a way to just just sneak by, uh, and that, that means a lot. These early season wins where you just have to fight tooth and nail, um, these stick with you. Yeah. And so going into, I think, a really tough game against San Francisco, then we get one more non-conference game before starting a tough, tough conference gauntlet. Um, a game like this is one that, like, man, you you know, to lose by two, you'd, you'd still have a lot to, to look at and feel good about. But, man, to be, be on the winning side of that, to win that game by two when nothing was going your way, man, that, that just feels good. That, that sticks with you, man. That's a great way to win a, fo- uh, a basketball game. Yeah, well, I mean, the, just even to to simplify the stats as much as possible, when Great Osibar is three of fifteen from the field, and you still score eighty four points, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> you you were yeah. you you figured something out, and and a lot of it was thanks to the the turnovers forced. Um, you know, Brown mm-hmm. and Martinez had four and three steals respectively, but a lot of guys were involved in making that happen, and the the rebounding, which is the the really the standout performance from the other two guys who really, I thought, stepped up in this game, uh, Max Ogbongpolo and Khalifa Sacco, who only played 11 minutes mm-hmm. and 56 seconds, but I thought was hugely impactful when he was on the floor. Um, defensively, he had, you know, he, he, he had his, his share of struggles. I thought he ge- generally played well on defense. He did have four fouls, um, but I thought he played well defensively. He had four points on two, I think it was two dunks. Um, the, well, the one actually might have been a, a baseline spin layup. I wonder who he learned that from. Um, and uh, he wasn't credited. Uh, th- this is a, a deep injustice. And I don't the the stat the stat you know piecing together the stats during the game is what it is, and the rules are what they are. And you can't just give a guy a rebound for for something that is spiritually his rebound. It actually has to be his rebound. But Utah State was credited with five offensive team rebounds in this game, and I went back and watched all of them, and the last three were all exclusively the work of Sacco. It was him jumping up (laughs) over a guy and knocking the ball off of him out of bounds. Um, And one of those ended with him getting a dunk off of of an inbound play, the other one ended with a uh, a Darius Brown uh, elbow or, or corner jumper, mid-range jumper that made a a four-point deficit, a two-point deficit, and then was uh, tied when Brown got a steal on the next defensive possession and, and Martinez finished it off in transition. Um, Utah State does not win this game without Khalifa Zacco's effort on the on the offensive yeah. glass and without yeah. really his his just play in general stepping up in the moment. Uh, great was struggling. Isaac was kind of a non, uh, you know, a non-factor. They were not really going to trust him in those, in that late moment, given the struggles he had had in the game. And Khalifa Sacco was the other guy there. He was the only other center really who could go in and, and have that size and have that presence on the inside. And I thought he was brilliant. I, I thought he handled it about as well as you could possibly hope for his, his rebounding was 
critical. And I would say the same of Max Ogbonpolo, who had seven rebounds. He had 10 points, four of 12 from the field, but he had seven rebounds, five offensive rebounds, and all of all of which came in the second half. Um, and also hit two threes, two pretty big threes to kind of keep Utah State afloat early on as the offense was really struggling to get into gear. Um, that is, that's how you win these games. That is what you need from your guys yeah. in, in, oh, yeah. in big moments is you need stars to come through, which I thought Ian and, and Darius obviously both did, but then you just, you need somebody to, to step up and make some plays and, and Max did it. Khalifa did it. And Utah state gets the win. I think because of the effort of those four specifically other guys pitched in, other guys had good moments. Josh Uduji, I thought finished the game really well after starting kind of, you know, shaky. Um, but those four really stood out to me as the, the guys who went and got it done when Utah state needed somebody to go and get it done. Yeah. When you win a game by two and your leading scorer who is averaging almost 20 points a game, um, only gets nine points, um, on an off shooting night, uh, you can go down the roster and, and guys that, that aren't making an impact most of the time are suddenly, suddenly making a huge impact. And I, I, I don't think there was, you know, there, there was not very much room for error here. There was very, very little, uh, wiggle room in this win, but they get it done. They got yeah. it done in a, in a unimpressively impressive way. Honestly, I think it was, uh, like I said, you'd like to win games in different ways, but man, did it look, uh, Sure looked different than other games that we've had this year. <laughs> yeah, and it's a lot easier to learn from a, a win uh, than it is to learn from <laughs> yeah. a loss. And I think that there were a lot of things they could learn from that game about the way that teams will defend them, about the way that teams want to play against them and, and how they can yeah. adjust to that. And to be able to make those adjustments without taking an, without taking a loss, without having your, your record yeah. blemished is really nice. It's a really, really yeah, good win very, for, for Utah very State. Nice. Uh, no matter the way it came about. What matters is that they did it. It doesn't matter how they got there. The job was done. <laughs> that's, yep. that's fine. Um, all right, let's talk women's basketball here to close it out. Uh, two games since we last, I believe two games since we last recorded uh, at BYU. Yeah, two games. And, feels, and like, at, feels like forever ago, but yeah, yeah it does. Just the two games. Yeah, they've been off this week. They will be back in action tomorrow. Um, two very different games against two very different opponents. Kind of, <laughs> kind of flipped what I was expecting to see results wise here. Yep, absolutely. Um, and kind of continued the the uh the the form that they've taken for a lot of this season and and going back into last season I felt this at times too of it 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 will feel like they are stepping towards something. It will feel like they are improving towards something that they are progressing. Um and then it will not feel like that. Uh, exactly. It is. Yeah. It is just. It's really, really up and down. Because at BYU, I thought they were really good, and at, they were fantastic. Yeah, at and and at Utah Valley, I thought they did not deserve to be on the same floor as a not very good team. Um, it was. Yeah. It was ugly, it's and a, it's just that's kind it's of a good assessment. It's yeah. kind of been the way that it has, uh, it, you know, it's been for this team. Uh, where are you at with these two games? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, that, that sums it up. After that BYU game, the, the 66 to 72 loss um, that really went down to the wire, um, I was looking at this team and I was thinking, these guys <laughs> look like a winning team. This looks like a team that uh, not only will they win four games to match last season's record, not only will they win five games to eclipse their uh, win total from last season. 
this is a team that looks like they could have like a just a a, a winning record. Just yeah, they looked good. Yeah, BYU is um, a good team, and and they got yeah, they got into their stuff. Team. They were kind of setting the tone for the game and and dictating the pace. And Cheyenne Stubbs was good, and and they they yep. got really kind of what they needed to get. They were forcing turnovers at a really high level. They couldn't quite get over the hump at the end of the game, but they fought back, they fought back really well. They rebounded pretty well given the circumstances. It was just a matter of, you know, yeah. BYU has uh, Lauren Gustin and most teams don't have Lauren Gustin and when you have Lauren Gustin <laughs> yeah, that can yeah, kind of change the don't. kind of change the nature of a game. She had what was it? Like 20 and 20 or something like that. Um Yeah, on on kind of a <laughs> night that was not great for her either. Yeah. She was she's, she's terrible ridiculous. from the line, five of 13 <laughs> from the line. Um, and still ends up with the 21, 21 night. She's, yeah. she's very good. She looked uncomfortable at times. I thought the Utah state did a good job at times handling her and she still goes off for 21, 21. She's yeah. She's unreal. If if nothing else, Utah state's uh, bigs who, who really did not have a whole lot of, you know, hope for, for that matchup. Most players uh-huh. don't, most teams don't. Lauren Gustin right. is good. She's a good player. Um, they, they good, did not, yeah. they did not give up. They continued to fight. They continued to battle yeah. for rebounds. They went in and, and I, I thought they played hard and they, like you said, made it uncomfortable at, at, at times for her. And it wasn't enough to get the win, but it was enough to, to catch my eye and to, to impress me. And I kind of uh, had the, had the sense, uh, given given a year of watching the team play last year and of keeping track of them this season, um, had the sense that that would be followed immediately by something that would not ca- that would catch my eye in the exact wrong way in the exact opposite direction, and that was exactly what happened yeah. because they lost to Utah is... Valley by a very large number. Yep, after the uh, after the BYU game where Utah State looked, you know, very very good, um, Utah State goes down to Orem and they just uh, they don't even. Uh, they, they don't even really show up to be completely honest. They, uh, they lose 68 to 38, a 30 point deficit, um, just a, a, an all around mess, you know? So you turn around from, from what I thought was a very impressive BYU game led by, of course, Cheyenne stops with 21 points. And then Ivory Phil, Ivory Finley and Sky Miller with 10 each. Uh, and that's something we've talked about on the show when that has happened up until this BYU game, um, they were undefeated when that happened. Uh, and that's what it was so impressive about the BYU game. It's like you're going in against a team that is better than you and you're forcing them to just flat out beat you. You're, you're forcing, you're going to play your game, which they did. Um, they installed the exact game plan. I think they wanted to, and they just lost a good old fashioned, you know, they, they lost honestly. Yeah. Um, which is what to, I would to turn around. Which is yeah. what I would like to see from this team, just in general, is, is that Every, you go yeah, out, you have, I want to see. Yeah. you have the talent, you have the size, you have the players that you can just make it hard on teams, right? Just, you're just not, lose honestly. Yeah, yeah you're, you're probably not going to win a ton of games. Mountain West has some no, good teams. No, you're not. You know, you're probably not going to beat UNLV, but no, just no just way. make them think about you a little bit. Be a little be a yeah. little gnat flying around that they have to swat at and make them make them work for it and. That is, you know, that's an effort level thing. You you got to get shots to fall, and and sometimes shots don't fall. But it it is just yep. a matter, I think, more than anything, of having that consistent uh, effort and, and aggression and and energy, and it just was not there against. Utah and you, you have to have, yeah, it, it wasn't, and you have to have that game plan um, that you run. You have to have your game that you can you can at least get to what you want to get to. Um, that was not there against uh, uh, UVU. Uh, Cheyenne Stubbs did lead the team with only 12 points, 
But the other two scores that, in my opinion, and the stats would kind of back this up, the other two scores that need to be involved in order to win games, Ivory Finley had three points. Sky Miller had two. Um, Sky Miller made, you know, had they, they both actually had pretty good games outside of scoring. They were all over the place on defense. They, uh, you know, got a lot of rebounds and things. But you need more points from Sky Miller if you're going to win games. You cannot get two points from Sky Miller. You cannot get three points from Ivory Finley with uh, to win games. Um, this is a team. After watching these two games, the the conclusion I'm at, like where we where we're at here, is um, I think Utah State really just has one recipe to to victory. Um, they're going to go oh and whatever when they can't get that installed, and they're going to lose. You know, they're going to still lose a lot of games when they do, like they did with BYU. They played their game and still lost. Um, but it's not a team that has that room for error. Um, yeah. and, it, and it's fitting that this happened, you know, this Utah State men's game against Santa Clara happens on that same week um, because it's kind of the tale of two teams. Utah State, the men's team, has that room for error. They have different looks that they can give you. I don't think the women's team has that right now. They they have to rely on Cheyenne Stubbs to be the leading scorer. Ivory Finley and Sky Miller have to be right there behind her. Yeah. Um, that is the one way to victory. You're still not good enough to win every game when you do get that in. Um, but you're certainly not good enough to to play a different game than what you're equipped to do. Yeah. Um, and there was there was a lot going on in this UVU game. I the 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 way that the coaching staff could not get Sky Miller and Ivory Finley involved offensively was disappointing. Um, you were going up against one of the worst rebounding teams in the country, uh, and you got out rebounded um, forty to thirty against yeah. uh, UVU, who does not rebound the ball. Um, you are going against one of, I think, like one of the bottom five three free throw shooting games in the country. You gave them four free throws. You were you were not forcing them to um, to do what they were bad at. You know, if you're going up against a team that can't hit free throws, put them on the line and make them hit free throws. Yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see. What was uh? How many minutes did she get? Um. Four minutes for Bridget Mullings, who was the one of the leading rebounders on this team. I. Yeah, I don't know what's there. She might, she might be in the doghouse. To be completely honest with you, she did, uh, she did give a little bit of a shove to Lauren Gustin late in the BYU game that, yeah. that um, resulted in a little bit of a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what she's not doing on the court um, against a team that hasn't proven it can rebound. the The UVU game was, uh, yeah, like you said, it was it caught my eye in a lot of different ways in. in the negative where BYU is very positive. There was a lot of things going the wrong way. And like I said, there's one way that this team can win. Um, yeah, and you can't afford not to do that. You're still going to lose some games when you do, uh, but you can't afford not to play your game. And they, they did not play their game against UVU. Yeah. And they, they, you know, beyond just trying to get into that game plan, they really need some other players to start establishing themselves here um you know like i i thought that there were some decent moments from from macy smith she probably uh, yeah have, i think uh, yeah, she probably should have stopped shooting at some point <laughs> in the second half because it wasn't going very probably, well probably yeah um, but i thought her first half was great she had the first i think she's did she have the first five points for utah state she had uh, five so. points in the first quarter yeah uh, on a three and a two um in her first game as a starter um that was started to look like a good sign for sure, but yeah, but but just it's probably more. Yeah, you need you need more, and and I like that we're seeing some of the young players. You know, Lauren Crocker's seeing some action. Ali Weta saw some action. Right. I believe yep. had her first points. Um, just you just you need you need somebody. Mullings, Tiaria Hill Brown. 
Um, Lazy Verdon, I think, kind of is a known commodity. She's she's a she's a nice player to have. Um, she's I, I I think she has generally fared pretty well. Um, but she's not going to be a you know a, a go to scorer. Uh, you yeah. need you need somebody specifically in the post to just step up and, and to take on that role, and and they've not really they've not really found that. Um, I don't know that, that no. they're going to find that. There's talent on the team that that can maybe do that, but it's the your the margin for error, like you said, right now is just so slim. And when they aren't fully energized, when they aren't playing aggressively, when they aren't setting the rules of the game they just yeah. they just fall out of the game there's there's not a there's not a way for them to be competitive when they don't do that yeah well i think two other players like you said that that i want to see more of uh like you said you need you need more i mean cheyenne stubbs can only do so much you're seeing teams that are that are ready for her game plan and credit to her um teams are coming in very prepared for cheyenne stubbs and she's still getting hers like she's yeah. still she's getting good. to the rim she's very very good um, but she needs help. And I think one of those players is Sammy Suguturaga, yeah. um, who has had very, very good games coming off the bench. Um, she needs to stay involved. Her her season high is eight. Um, she's scored seven and five in different games as well. She was shut out against UVU, did not, did not score in her 11 minutes. Um, and I think she's very, 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 very good, very uh, maybe underutilized or not. Um, something Something was off, clearly. Yeah. And then the other one is Livia Knapp, who who has also had some very good games. I've I've seen, yeah. um, I've seen some good stuff from Livia Knapp. She was of course shut out against. Um, uh, wait, what did she do? No, she had three points against UVU. Yeah, she hit a three. Um, she's 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 had she's had a little bit of a rough season at, at times, especially from the field. She has this season. I think she has uh, she has a lot more potential. She had six against Weaver. She has more potential than what where she's at right now. Um, I'd love to see more from her. I think if you're getting a little bit more from from Su- uh, Sugaturaga and a little bit more from Nap, you're you're in a really good spot. I mean, you you still lost by 30 to UVU, so a little bit from two players isn't enough. But um, you, you can look at this team and you can see what needs to be done. You know, they're the, they're not an untalented team. Um, it just comes down to they they, they really all need to be playing close to their maximum potential and if they do that they are going to win some games they, they this is a pretty good team um but things are not looking good Th- things did not look good against UVU. yep and, and i think that is probably where we will leave it for this episode we will yeah. have more uh stuff certainly to talk about here in the coming days and weeks and we will be back to talk about all of that uh next time on the uh on the eggship podcast